I did bring with me, um, this is a great book. Um, this is my friend Leslie that was here last week, Leslie Vernick, and it's called Lord, I Want to Be Happy. And she really addresses, um, I mean, that's the cry of all of our hearts. And so often in the, sec- in the Christian world, we're all like, you know, uh, you know, just be holy, don't worry about happiness. But the Lord does want us to be happy. But we have to understand what true happiness is and understand, okay, so we, we, bad things happen. How do we deal with those bad things? We get negative emotions. How do we deal with those negative emotions and process, process through those? And so it's really great, and there's um, even questions kind of at the end for reflection after each chapter as you work through the thing. But um, Lord, I Just Want to Be Happy is a, is a great book, and I'm, I'm about a third of a way through it now and, and look forward to I feel certain I will share from it as we... Um, move through it. I think even something I read last night triggered something that I, that I want to share later today. So we'll see if I remember because I didn't write it down. I know you've said it already, but would you say the author's last name again? Sure. It's, it's hard. It's Vernick. V-E-R-N-I-C-K. Okay, so no, I don't think, they, I don't think they're gonna, they'll have it downstairs. Um, but she, her, uh, she also has written a book, Defeating Depression and um, Emotionally... What is the other book she wrote? Defeating Depression and the emotionally destructive relationship. And so um, I joke with her, she's my gray friend because I'm so black and white, you know, and I need somebody in my life that will kind of say, well, Beck, you know, maybe it's not so black and white. Well, in my world, it's all black and white. So um, she helps me with that. Okay, today, as I shared before, we're, Titus 2 is our, is our focus for quite a while. And today's lesson I want to hit on um, kind of that second phrase. Last week we talked about older women. We didn't spend a lot of time on older, but we hit on the women and who we were as women and that we, um, we have courage and that we have challenges um, and that we're created, though, um, the pinnacle of creation and what a blessing that is and um, who we are as women. I hope um, for those that were here last week that you know, maybe we didn't meddle as much this week. And um, It's been interesting because this week I've been in the middle of a crisis where somebody's meddling. And I'm not. And it's so nice to not be the meddling one for once, you know, and to stand back and know that, okay, this is all going to work out, you know. But, man, this is meddling. This is what's meddling at its, at its premium. And sometimes it's good to, to, you know, we have to know when to step in. We have to know in those, and we'll talk a little bit about submission even today, you know, with authority and things like that. When do we need to step in and when we just need to say, you know. You'll look for a course of appeal. And so that was last week. This week, I want to hit on reverent and devout, and their deportment has become those engaged in sacred service. And um, what we're going to hit on, really, is the reverent part and deportment. Um, and then next week, we're going to talk about devout and sacred service. So, um, and I don't know which blanks I have blank for you, so if I miss any blanks, I'll let you hit me. So, reverent. And a lot of us kind of know what that is, but we'll add some more. Um, uh, it's a feeling exhibiting or characterized by reverence, being deeply respectful. So it's showing deep respect for people. And of course, because, you know, I didn't know what reverence was. It's fear, it's afraid, it's, t- it's, it's, ter- it's tremble, terrible, dreadful, worship, bow, and I don't know this word. I I know what it means, but how do you say that? Obeisance, Carol, because I tried to use it the other day. Reverence to fall down to stoop um, from the blueletterbible.com, which is a great resource. And then also, in just in a regular Webster dictionary, it's a feeling or attitude of deep respect, tinged with awe. It's the outward manifestation of this feeling. So, um, so really want to hit on reverence and what that looks like. Um, I think that 
Um, I mean, there's just been this big splash that's going on on YouTube, and I watched it for the first time yesterday. But it was American Idol, I guess, two weeks ago. Is what is it? You know, your pants on the ground. I mean, I mean, it's just whole this whole rap about these guys got their pants on the ground instead of pulling your pants up, and it's totally respect the girls that come in the live house. You know, we have no respect for anything so often. And so, um, so we tear everything up. We don't have any respect for anything. Um, we don't have respect for authority. We don't have respect for older people. We don't have respect for children. You know, we expect them to be perfect, and they're not. So we don't, res you know, we don't give grace in any of those areas. And so I really want to talk some about, and sometimes that reverence is good, and some of it's bad, but we need to have both of those things. So the first, the first blank I want to talk about is where are you showing reverence? Where do you show reverence? And there's a lot of different places that you show reverence, um, but one of the places definitely you show reverence is sometimes we show reverence to people, just in general. And this can be good, and this can be bad. <clears throat> Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I mean, people-pleasing is such a huge um, sin in my own personal life. Man, I want, to, I want people to like me. I want, it, I want everybody to be happy around me, and I want everything to be perfect. And the bottom line is we're not always going to be able to, you know, make everybody happy. And we can show respect, and we can show reverence in the midst of all that. But everybody is, some of the things I might do might not please you. I think it was last week or two weeks ago, Oswald Chambers, you know, the utmost for his highest head at the church were kind of going through it, and I think it was two weeks ago that your obedience sometimes will cost other people. And we need to not worry about that cost. We've got to trust God with that cost of that obedience. So we need to be mindful because it all goes back to our motives. Because we can be condescending in our reverence, you know, or we can be the, we can be, um, the doormat in our reverence, you know, and just, you know, you're not really being reverent then. You're not being respectful. You know, you're not being in all of those. But also on the other side, I think, with people, we need to be respectful of um, the elderly. I think that's a huge thing. You know, we, and me and my, my personality is, I want to go, 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 go. And, you know, if, like, if I scoot in front of her, I can get up the stairs past, you know, past her. But, you know, it's like, back, give them five seconds. You know, stop to, and let them and show respect to people. Does anybody else... Does that resonate with other people about um, how we can just bow the knee to people? And when we, when we mess up reverence, it becomes an idol. It becomes an idol, and then we've got to tear it down. And we're worshiping at an idol. And people can be that way. So often people can be that way. And what we do just in our daily life, our daily life, um, we can set those people up to be um, idols in our life. The second place that I think we need to be very mindful about showing reverence to is in authority, in our authority. Um, Romans 13 talks about that, Romans 13, 1 to 7. Um, so authority is the blank for that. Um, let every person be, the, be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Okay, like we could spend days on this verse alone, <laughs> that very, very first verse, because um, the authorities that are in our lives, good, it doesn't say the good authorities, the godly authorities, the you know, righteous authorities, it says the, the, all governing authorities have been in place by God. And so that doesn't matter if that's the 
um, constable, you know, as we're flying down the, you know, side street in the suburbs, or if that's the president of the United States, or if that's our pastor. I really struggled. I mean, here's a perfect example of where that reverence comes into our authority and where it can be a healthy thing as well. The Lord will bless our reverence to our authority. Um, I, when I first heard, I don't know, a year ago when they said they were going to, they're going to, you know, expand the hours and, and um, change the, the times, and they were going to do an 820 class and, mm. and, you know, change when the worship was. And, you know, anyways, whatever, was it September that we kicked that off? I guess it was September. And when I first heard that, I thought, well, I don't want to do that. I like doing the hours that I'm doing. And then, um, but then I thought, you know, okay, if I were sitting down across from Pastor Greg, and I'm single, no kids, I mean, I have no reason, there's nothing that keeps me from coming any other hour, you know, I don't sing in the choir, so it's not, you know. And, and I thought, if I were sitting down across from Pastor, and I would say, Pastor, what would you like me to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respect you. What would you like me to do? He would say, Becky, I want you to come to the 820 Sunday School Hour. Okay, you know, <laughs> so then, but then the sweet thing is this, and so I did it, and I did it gratefully, and, and you know, I checked that box whenever we did that in June, July, or whatever, and said, I'm coming, I'll do the 820, and I'll go to the 930 worship, and I'll go to the sanctuary, I won't go to the chapel, you know, and I love the traditional, I'm so blessed by the choir, and the traditional music, and full choir, but then, you know, two months later, I get the call from Carolyn O'Neill, and says, hey, Beck, would you teach a Sunday school class today, 20 hour? You know, so what a blessing that I've been able to now do this, which I love to do, and um, just because I respected my authority. And you get out of here before traffic. Especially. And I get out of here before traffic, and how fun is that? And you just, like, you gain all this time, you know, because I still get up early on Sunday. You know, I would just either mess around. You know, another thing, too, I think in that same way that we can um, get that uh, is, you know, I, I mean, I am such a speeder. I love cruise control. I'm so grateful for cruise control. Because I don't have self-control, so I have cruise control. And, um, and it's not on purpose. I just keep going, you know, and just ride with the traffic. But how wonderful when I, you know, I run up down 290 a whole bunch. I've been up to the Hill Country a lot this week. And, um, and it's so nice to just, you know, and of course, the troopers are lined up on 290. And you blow past them. And it's like you don't have to tap the brake. Your heart does, ah! you know, you don't like skip or anything like that. Because there it is. You know you're doing 65 or, you know, I'm doing I'm doing the speed limit, you know. And one time I said that on like 71, and the Lord's like, that's still speeding, you know. But, Lord, that don't stop you unless you're doing 77. And he's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> Carol, I was not going to point out the fact that you tend to be a little heavy-footed, Carol, but. I told that guy that I was just five miles over the speed limit, and I thought you could do that. He was a state trooper. <laughs> And I had my cruise control set five minutes, five miles over the speed limit. And he said, well, now you know. <laughs> Gave me a ticket. Um, I'm just going to be quiet. There you go. If that convicts you, it convicts you, and then we can move on for there. But it does. It's so funny because it says that on there. Continuing on in, in um, 13, Romans 13. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. So if you're doing good, we don't need to be afraid. And like that, if I'm speeding, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid. And even, you know, I mean, and the government and some of the things, the choices that people are making and, and the government are really kind of going against a lot of our own personal choices. But goodness gracious, I mean, how about Tuesday's election with Scott Brown and, you know, I mean, who would have ever, th I mean, I never even thought, okay, Kennedy's dead, here's our chance to, you know, lose the supermajority, you know, for the Republicans. 
I mean, I didn't even think that. There was like, I mean, I was, so, and then I mean, like, wake up Wednesday morning, it's like, holy Scott, holy smoke, Scott Brown won. I mean, wow, who would have thought? But anyways, but even still, if we're doing good, it's like that meddling, like I talked about that, you know, what's going on at work, and people are meddling, and it's for once, I'm, I'm, I'm right with my authorities, and I'm, for once, in this fight, I feel like everything's okay on my side of the road, you know, for once. And it's so good, there's no conflict in that. Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is a ser- God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of consciousness. You might not get caught, but just consciousness that you're doing it right. I just helped somebody with their computer load iTunes on there, and you know when you ever load new software, you have to like check the license agreement, you know, and I agreed to this licensing agreement. And I don't mind doing that, but it really messes me up when it says, I read and agree with the licensing agreement. You know, and then so like I read the first sentence of, you know, I read like one <laughs> word of it and I said, okay, I read it. And I didn't read the whole thing, but I read it because I'm lying. I mean, real, I mean, that, I mean that, the Lord has to convict me that low because I, I can, you know, it doesn't take much for me to get way off case. But for my consciousness, I, I do that. For because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities or minister of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And I think it's very interesting. Respect is not earned. It's given as a matter of a position. Let's just say Carol gets stopped again, which hopefully never will happen, but she gets pulled over by this guy. She knows who this, he knows, she knows this man. Knows that she, he is a, a, a total all-out capital J-E-R-K jerk. I mean, beats his wife, beats his kids, you know, doesn't care about Jesus, mocks the name of God, you know, cusses like a sailor, pulls her over. She's doing 72 in a 70-mile-an-hour speed zone. Pulls her over, and he comes to the window, and he hands her the ticket, and she says, you are a jerk. You, I'm throwing this on the ground. No. I mean, that doesn't matter. He, you have to respect the position. You have to respect the position. And whether that's our boss or whether that's, our pastors, whether that's, you know, um, anybody that is any, older people just by default should have our respect. Anybody older than us. Now, if they're, Miss Mildred was here last week, for those who are here, that's, Mil, that's Karen's mom who, who prayed for us last week and is such a dear. And Miss Mildred, I mean, she's worthy of respect. But there's some older people that, grouchy old, old folks, they still are, should get our respect. They still should get our respect. And the Lord will honor that. Why? Because people are watching. That's the whole point. Older women, be reverent. Why? Because the younger women are watching you. So the word of God will not be misaligned or default. So we need to be respectful to our authority and to people. Another thing that I think can get us into real trouble here, and we won't spend long on this one, um, Matthew 6.24 is, man, we can show a whole lot of reverence and make it an idol, and that is money. Matthew 6.24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. We cannot bow the knee to God, I mean, to, to money. We, can't make, we just can't make that the idol. We can't make that our, um, you know, it, reverence is dreadful. You know, when we think, oh, if I don't have money, it's going to be dreadful. It's going to be awful. It's gonna, you know, and we, it's just our, those people that have a whole lot of money, it's like, wow. You know, we're like in awe. 
because they have so much money and they can just you know drop money like you know there's no big deal. I mean I thought I don't I mean this is I mean why I was even there I guess because I was bored one night and you know Fox News on their their website they have um, like before and after so they show sitcoms from you know 20 years ago and okay where are they now and Tim Allen the one I just read recently was Home Improvements and Tim Allen. Um, at the end of the show, he was making $1.5 million an episode. And that was what? I mean, that was t 10 years ago, 15 years ago. When was Home Improvements on? I mean, that was back in the 90s. I mean, $1.5 million an episode. I mean, how do you spend that much money? And the bottom line is, it's never enough. And we can, if we start re respecting money, we will start, it will never be satisfied because there's never enough money. There's never enough money. And that's not where we need to do. We need to bow our need to God and not to money at all. Be mindful of that. Carol and I, and we have to confess this often, but, you know, we walk, um, we work out here at Christian Life Center, and then sometimes um, we'll go outside to cool off or, or whatever. If we're just really bored inside, we'll go outside and walk because we walk one time around the church, it's a half a mile. And so, you know, it's 6.30 in the morning. It's still dark. And um, here comes this, you know, 2010... Lexus SUV, you know, $60,000 vehicle, pulling up, and out steps this woman with a big diamond ring on her finger, so she's definitely married, pulling out the two-week-old, six-week-old little baby that's still asleep out of the back of her vehicle. And I just, it's hard for me not to just run over and shake her. I, you know, and I try and be kind and courteous and like, you know, you know, I don't know the picture, and I don't know the picture. And that's why I don't run over and shake her. You know, I don't know what's going on in her life. I don't know if, you know, I don't know the situation. But I'm thinking, girl, in 14 years when your girl is at my life house because she's pregnant and you're like, why, how did this happen? I'm like, because we, we respected money more than we respected our kids and raising them. You know, and I know a lot of people drop off their kids and it's, they have to. I mean, I'm, there's no slam on that. There's no condemnation. But, man, we start looking about, man, are we bowing our need of money? so that we can have our bigger vehicle, bigger house, bigger vacation, and not respecting our children like we should. We just need to be, we just need to check ourselves on that. We need to check ourselves on that. Leviticus 19. Let's go there for this last section. Where we need to show reverence. And I think this is um, Leviticus 19. Another place that is important for us to show reverence is at church. The church. Um, 1930 says, Leviticus 19.30 says, You shall keep my Sabbath and reference, reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. I mean, there's, David said, he said, um, How glad it was unto me when they said, Come into the house of the Lord. I love the house of the Lord. Um, and I know that we need to be seeker friendly. And I know, you know, I don't care if you're in flip-flops and shorts. I mean, I don't care about that. But, man, it's the house of the Lord. Understand it's the house of the Lord. Where I'm at right now, where we rent office space, we actually rent office space from a building that's basically falling down around us. It's the education wing of a church that is dead. I mean, it's, you know, there needs to be a Dr. Kowalski, and they should have unplugged the cord on this church a long time ago. But they're just trying to, you know, keep it alive. You know, their average age, I think, is 65 that comes. You know, I mean, that's it. I mean, I think that's like the lowest age of 65, not even the average age. And it's a, you know, it's a... Predominantly white. It was a white neighborhood. The church was white. Then um, Latinos. It's primarily Latino right now, and the church did not change. 
And so there, there's nobody in the you know 30 mile radius or 10 mile radius to go to the church, and they haven't really made the change. And it just grieves me when I walk through and they, I see the rest of the space because our space we've done a lot of work and painted and decorated, and I mean it's night and day difference. But because this is a house of the Lord, we need to respect the house of the Lord. Um, I'm also think we need to be really mindful of other churches and showing respect for other churches. How other churches do things. I mean, I'll just pick on Lakewood because everybody else does. How Lakewood <laughs> chooses to do church and how Pastor Joel has been called to preach and teach and how they've been called to run their church, it's not how I want to run my church. But you know what? I'm going to respect the man because he's anointed of the Lord. And I'm, if I really have big problems with that, then maybe I need to go and talk to him or his staff or whatever. But we can't just, like, you know, put it on the Baptist blog that, you know, Lakewood, you know, is the Antichrist. I mean, like, guys, I mean, can we work with each other? Let's respect one another and work it out the right way. Oh, I can talk within the same denomination, First Baptist Church of Dallas. It's building, I mean, we had a capital campaign, and I felt guilty because we did $20 million for a capital campaign, but we were, were given a ton, you know, whatever, 10% of it away. We're paying off our debt. I mean, a lot of it's more than just $20 million of new stuff. First Baptist Church Dallas is doing $130 million building campaign. I don't know. That's what God, that's what God has told them to do. And um, I'm just impressed they can raise $130 million from a bunch of Baptists. And so, you know, we'll see what that is. But, you know, we need to be mindful and respectful of the church of God, both the physical building, you know, and if we can park off-site, we need to park off-site because we, we need to respect other people coming in and those kind of things. So, so that's where some of the things we need to show reverence. Does that make sense? Is that good? Is that, does it convict anybody really big? Cause... I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> I know. I think most people like authority. We don't like it. I'm, in some form or fashion, it's... We don't like it. Authority. Because we're showing ourselves secondary. Okay? I have a real problem. My immediate boss, I did not respect her as a human being. Right. <laughs> Right. I don't agree with her lifestyle and what she stands for, but she's my immediate boss. Exactly. And so I still have to, she's younger than I am, and I still have to say yes, ma'am, and yeah, ma'am, and, yeah. you know, do what she tells me to do and right. go by her guidelines. Right. But I don't like her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that liking and that, you know, um, um, respecting her choices are different than, you know, respecting her. Right. And so you're respecting, and God's going to honor that. And God's not either. We have choices, though, in those kind of things, too, and what that choice wants to be and how God calls us and moves us in those kind of things. You know, and if you're at lunch and she brings up whatever, you can have the right to say, you know, well, I mean, I respect you as a boss, but I really want you to be my friend. Maybe that might not be the no, thing no. to say. But there's a gray area. That's a gray area, isn't it? That would be my gray friend. I'm going to leave the lunch I hear my mom calling. I think I'll be walking out for right now. So. Yeah, oh, I know. I've, I've, yeah, I've, you probably have done that. Yeah, oh my goodness. There we go. Okay, the bottom line, what we really want to do is make sure we show a lot of reverence and respect to God. And so I thought, it's always, I like to have motivators. Why should we do that? So I thought we'd spend some time talking about why we should do that. One I didn't put on here, and I thought of it just this morning, um, uh, is we need to respect God because he chose us. That's profound. There's a verse, Ephesians 1, that is something that I've, you know, I use it for a lot of different reasons, but um, I have to find it. 
1-4. Ephesians 1-4 says, well, I'll start in 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Before, before he said, here's the Grand Canyon. Before he said, here's the Alps. Before he said, you know, anything. He chose us before the foundations of the world. He selected us. He said, I want her. I want her and her and her and her and her and her. She's, I want this one. I'm going to begin creating time and moving things in this world so that, you know, on my, my case, you know, January 29th, 1965, she comes into being, you know, and these are the path that I want her to walk out. He chose us. And so, therefore, we need to show respect and reverence to him because of that. First blank, he is Yahweh. Bottom line, you know, we need to respect the, you know, state trooper. We need to respect him because he's Yahweh. Y-A-H-W-E-H. Spell that again. Y-A-H-W-E-H. Yahweh. Um, He is Jehovah. He's the God. He is the one. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created. I mean, we bow the knee to the state trooper. We reverence and respect the state trooper. Man, God even more so. We need to reverence and respect him and what he does and who he is. So Yahweh, so big. Okay, number two or three or whatever it is, um, he died for us. You know what? He's worthy of our respect because he died for us. While we were yet sinner, Romans 5, 7 through 10, amazing verse, 7 through 8. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So not only did he choose us for the foundation of the world, not only did he create us, and so we should show respect, but he died for us. He, he died for me. He died for you and our sins, so that we could have fellowship and relationship with him. I mean, I hope we never get over that fact. He chose to send his son. He did not have to save us. It's very interesting. You know, Noah's Ark, you know, and I probably, if I would have ever had kids, I probably would have decorated the nursery with Noah's Ark. I mean, we think it's a childhood story. It's one of God's greatest wrath, if not the greatest wrath he's ever done to the earth because of their unrighteousness. He said, I'm fed up with it. They're all gone. And he could have done that to me, and he could have done that to you. But he chose to not do that, and I'm grateful for that. And therefore, he deserves my reverence, and he deserves my respect. And then Psalm 34, and I want a huge caveat on Psalm 34. Um, Because we think so often he's not the Santa Claus in the sky. Um, 34.9 says this, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear or reverence him have no lack. He is all we need. He is all we need. We will have no lack. When we reverence him, we will have no lack. Now, here's the caveat. My need, my my wants are sometimes I think they're needs. You know? If I was in Haiti right now, my needs would be totally different than my wants. I mean, I just want to have running water. They just said today banks are starting to open back up and the people are able to get cash. And as a cash society, you have no cash, you can't buy I mean, imagine not having any ability to buy anything for a week, you know. But our needs are going to be met. He is all we need. And I think that's so key, especially going back to people-pleasing. 
or going back to money or going back to any of those other things that we bow the knee to that become our idols, when we start seeking those things and making those reverence, those things, they never are enough. We're never satisfied. But if we look to God as our sufficiency, as our all in all, to meet all of our needs. And I thought about this, and again, dealing with some things that are going on at work, it's like um, people aren't willing to go to somebody and say, man, you hurt me. This hurt me when you did this. And they say they're not going to, they don't do it because when I do that, then you're going to get mad because I did that. So they just, they just keep that bitterness inside. But then they'll also say, I really love this person. I really care for this person. And so I don't want to tell them that they hurt me. Okay, but the thing is, is this person, and according to what you're saying, they're doing it again and again and again to you and to other people. So if you really love me, you'll come to me and say, Beck, when you do this, it really offends and hurts lots of people. And really, if you know my heart, you know I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to offend. I don't want to hurt. But because we're so dependent upon receiving approval and receiving acceptance, receiving blessings, that we're going to reverence those people. And in a lot of ways, we're not even reverencing. They just become an idol. And it doesn't matter that they hurt us. Does that make sense? As opposed to going to God and saying, God, you're my sufficiency. And what I'm about to do might make mine really mad at me. But, Lord, I know this is what I'm supposed to do, and I'm willing to do it because you're my sufficiency. And if she never talks to me again, you are still enough. I remember when I moved to Houston, I had to get to the point where Jesus was all I needed. And the only way I really figured out that Jesus was all I needed was when Jesus was all I had. And that is huge. That is huge. That gets you to a point where it's like, whoa, man, at that point, it's so much freer. You're freer in a lot of things. You know, man, I love my job, and I want my job to keep going, and... You know, and I like getting paid what I get paid, but you know what? The Lord's given me wisdom in a lot of things, and Jesus is all I need, and he'll figure out a way because I'm not going to lack. Now, you know, would I be able to travel maybe as much as I do? No, but you know what? That's really not a need. <laughs> That's a want. But will I have a roof over my head and food at the table and gas in my car? And Yeah, I will. I'm going to trust him with that because if I can trust him with my eternal security, I sure can trust him with my wallet, you know, everything else. He's all we need. Okay, so let's get down to some brass tacks on this and talk about deportment. Of course, I had to definitely look up deportment because I never knew what that meant. But it's demeanor, it's your conduct, it's your behavior. What does it look like? It's the outside. So my reverence, I can't just have reverence and have quiet time in my room and, you know, and have the reverence just there. My reverence has got to be um, an outward manifestation that people see. Um, and what it looks like and how I act. And so I thought, okay, let's come up with some specific things that we can do to show our reverence um, for others. The very first thing is we have got to obey his commands. I mean, you want to reverence God? Obey his commands. Jeremiah 44.10 in the New Living Translation says this, To this very hour you have shown no remorse or reverence. No one has chosen to follow my word and the decrees I give to you and your ancestors before you. So... He's saying, you don't show me any reverence or respect, and here's why. Because you don't obey my commands. So we've got to obey his commands, and to obey his commands, we've got to know his commands. And I'm telling you, there is not one situation, challenge, difficulty, problem in your life that you are going through right now that the answer is not in Scripture. The answer is there. Now, we just need to figure out how to get there and find it. And that's what concordances are for. That's what older women in our lives are for. That's what I'm here for. Hey, Beck, this is what's going on. What is, how would... The scriptures respond. I mean, again, I think we talked about it maybe last week or the week before. It's not all about, you know, what would Jesus do? It's what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Because Jesus did a ton of stuff. And what would he do in this situation? I think, that, again, that goes back to people pleasing. This is where 
I wanted to talk about this, what, um, um, what Leslie talks about in here. Um, Mark, Mark 1, 29-38 um, talks about Jesus went and healed some people, and then he got up the next morning to pray, and, um, and everybody that he, that were brought, they, they, what it says is he brought all who were sick, and he healed some. They brought all who were demon-possessed, and he healed many. I mean, he, he, he delivered many. So everybody wasn't healed. Everybody was not delivered. Not for lack of power on God, but there, there's just physical limit. There was time limitations, whatever. He didn't heal, you know, everybody. So the next morning he gets up, he goes to the mountain to pray, to seek the Father. The disciples come running. Of course, they find him praying. And they say, everyone is looking for you. Of course, obviously thinking back from the city, because that's where they just came from, where there's people that are still sick. And he said, let's go on to the next city. And he left them. And this is what Leslie says. Um, uh, Jesus recognized his human limitations and took time out for both sleep and prayer. When Jesus decided to leave Peter's house and go to nearby villages to preach, he also left many people unhealed, disappointed, and perhaps even angry with him. Jesus knew he could not do it all. And we need to understand we can't do it all. We can't do it all. But we have, So that is a perfect example of when you come to me and say, you know, back, I just, you know, little leaks pulling at me and, you know, the, uh, you're asking me to do something with a Sunday school class and work needs this and my kids want this and my husband wants that. And there's a perfect, Jesus did it. Jesus said, I can't do it all. And, little, and then we got to say, little league, I appreciate what you want. I love what you do for my kids. But you know what, little league, I can't do that. I have to, I have to be discriminatory. I have to say no to something. So there you go. That's Mark 1, 29 through 38. Mark 1, 29 through 38. Very, very interesting. Very interesting concept that Jesus, and he took time to sleep and he took time to pray. Because he had, he had physical limitations as God, even as God. He still had physical limitations in his body. Very, very interesting. So obey his commandments. We've got to know his commands. We've got to get in the word. We've got to get in the word and be able to claim something. Number two, another word. And this is, this is a kind of sweeter word than submission, so I kind of like this word a little bit better. This word is defer, D-E-F-E-R, defer. I don't have a scripture for that because there's, ton of them, there's tons of them in there. But just defer. You know, you're getting there, you're going to the grocery store, and you see somebody, you know, it's kind of, you know, there's going to be the merge there at the buggy aisle, and you just, just defer. Just step back. Let them, you know, let them go in front of you. You know, you're in line. I mean, the line's always where it's going to be. Driving traffic, just defer. You know, you see that 18-wheeler he wants to get over. You know the lane's going to be short. You're thinking, but if I get behind him, then I'm going to be slowed down. Come on, Karen. <laughs> and, you know, but you know he needs to get over, and he's being cur- He's not like, you know, just coming over. He's put his blinker on. Just slow down. Defer. Let him come in. Let him get in the traffic. Defer. Defer. No, please, you go first. No, please, you go first. Gosh, that makes us secondary. It humbles ourselves. But you know what? God gives grace to the humble. I need more grace. Humble, just defer. And that, so that's just a word that I'd like you just to resonate all week long. Just think defer, 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 defer. And the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. I mean, there's always a motive behind everything that I do. I don't just do it just to do it, you know. I mean, there's always, you know, I need more grace. And then finally, the last thing, and I think this is another thing that can resonate with us, is, um, and there's a whole teaching on this by a woman named Debbie Titus that's fantastic, but um, it's called the also principle, A-L-S-O, 
live the also principle. You guys remember the story maybe of um, uh, Abraham's servant, I forgot his name, Abraham's servant went to get um, a bride for Isaac, and he sent him off, and, and, and I mean, can you imagine the task? Abraham's like, just go find me a, a wife for my, for, you know, well, how am I going to know, and who's the people, and make sure they're from my clan? I'm like, how am I going to know that, you know? I mean, there's no, like, internet411.com that we're going to Google and, you know, find these things, but, you know, so the, Lord, so the servant goes, and Rebecca shows up. And um, verse 16 through 25 is what I want to read. Um, it's so interesting. Um, he kind of set up kind of a fleece. God, this is what I want to happen. You know, that the woman that comes and says, I want to water your, here, let me give you a drink and I'll water your camel. And it says, interesting, even before, verse 15, before he had even finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethel of the son of Malachi, the wife of Nahar, Abraham's brother. Okay, boom, we got the right line. He doesn't know it, but bam, the Lord right there provides, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. I mean, I could go back and just talk about reverencing and he was doing it even though he told Abraham, I'm clueless, but he did it anyways. He respected, he submitted, he deferred, and the God, God showed up. Verse 16, the young woman was very attractive in appearance and made whom no man had known. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. So she served him. He's an older man. If he's a servant of Abraham, he probably was much older. She respected him. She deferred to him. Even though she just filled up her water, I'm like, drink my water. I got to go fill it back up. Because they needed a whole jar, you know. She didn't do that. Drink my water. And then she said, verse 19, when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camel also until they have finished drinking. He didn't ask for that. And there's some amazing, like, like nine jars was probably required to feed the camel. And she had to fill up and go back and fill up and go back. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water. And she drew for all the camels. The man gazed at her in silence, wondering whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing a half a shekel and two bracelets for his arms and weighing ten gold shekels. He said, please tell me whose daughter you are. Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I'm the daughter of Bethel, the son of Melchi, whom she bore to Nahar. I'm sure he was like, yeah, okay, we got the right girl here, Lord. She added, so he's asked, is there a place for you to stay? Can I come stay at your house? And in verse 25, she added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord. So she also added that not only could you stay with us, but look, we'll provide your food for you. Straw and fodder for your animals. We'll provide for your animals. The also principle. Where is the next thing I can go? It's the second mile principle. You know, if he asks you to go a mile, go a second mile. Do that also That also principle. Does that make sense? So in our day-to-day life, in our day-to-day life, we're asked to do something for our boss, and we know if we do some, one other thing, man, you know, it's going to really bless them. Or we're asked to do something for our husband, or ask to do something from our parents, and we go that extra mile just to bless them and to show respect and reverence for them, to do that also principle. How else can I go? Not only do I want to defer a Lord, but I also want to go the also principle. And that is humbling. That makes you a servant. It makes you secondary. But Christ, who was God in himself, chose to humble himself in the form of a bondservant so that he could come and die on a cross for your sins and my sins so that we can have fellowship with him. And let me tell you, girls, if we walk around, again, just us, there's three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of us in this room. 
if the nine of us spent just one week deferring, respecting, and doing it in a way that others see it, not for our pat me on the back, but people start looking at that, we can change our world. We can change our world. Your girls start seeing you doing that to your husband. Man, they're going to say something's different with mama. I mean, they might think it's crazy at first, or they might say, I can say this about Karen, I might always say, well, here she is. She was into that one lesson one time, and now, you know, next week it's going to be back to the old mom again, so just suck it up for a week, you know. We've all done that. But girls, let's not just wait. Let's not do it just once. Let's do it hard. Do it real. And be changed. Be changed. Defer. Also principle. And to, I'm, coming, it's, I'm a strong woman coming to you, talking to you. I'm not just, you know, some meek, mild, you know, nothing. You know, not that you're nothing if you're not strong and obnoxious like me. But a couple of takeaways. Are you showing reverence to someone or something other than God? Why or why not? I mean, is there something in our life that really we've set up as an idol that we really shouldn't be bowing down, trembling before, afraid of? Um, I mean, for me, a big thing for me, and this will probably, and I'll probably always talk about this, food is always a, an area for me that I seek food. I seek food for comfort, for boredom. I seek food. And God has created a whole lot of other things that I can do instead of food. Food is for physical sustenance. Is there celebration in that? Yes. But for the basic part, we should only eat food for physical sustenance. Um, All those books are good. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's hard to eat when you're reading a book. Yeah, it is. But I'm able to. I can hold my own. You know, <laughs> but not for very long. So um, do you believe, I think this is important, do you believe Yahweh is worthy of your reverence? And I think that's so important that we, we just see sometimes there's a Santa Claus in the sky. I'm telling you, Noah's, I mean, he's not going to destroy the earth like he did. But there, in that part about reverencing, part of it is to be dreadful. <laughs> And, and sometimes be terrible. I mean, God can be terrible in a lot of ways. But he's a just God and he's a good God. And so I never, 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 never fear his presence. I might fear his correction. But I feel like I can go to him even in the mess that I created of my own stuff. And I know I'm going to get in trouble. But man, you know what? I mean, Beth Moore says this too. Wouldn't it be awful if we didn't get in trouble? If he just let us one buck wild... And didn't do anything to restrain us. Whoa. Whoa. He's worthy of all of our reverence. And this week, how can you demonstrate your reverence? Through deferring, through practicing the also principle to those that are, that are around you. So, any questions? Comments?